in the dirt. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A quick thank you to Clay Patton, who took care of the Fontenelle Final Bell Monday and Wednesday as I was traveling to Wisconsin for Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Back in the studio today, and unfortunately, I am not going to take credit for the lower numbers we saw on the grain complex. We knew it was a, it was a tough row, but at least it finished not as bad as it traded most of the trade day. We're going to look at some of the big pullbacks we saw, especially for the soybean market. Not only that, best way to compare supply and demand info from one year to the next. Lots that we're going to look at today as Jeff Peterson joins us. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. So, Jeff, we got to start out with this soybean market. They seem to be the Debbie Downer for the entire trade. You know, it really was. It, uh, a lot of pressure put on that market today. The trade started lower overnight. And, you know, if we sit back and look at it, we, we'd say really probably the first piece of this gets to be some of the weather information out there. There's some, as you get out of the deferred, probably the 7- to 10-day period, a little bit of rainfall showing up up there. And and I think overall that, that put a little bit of a negative tone in the market, even though we don't know whether or not it'll show up yet. But then I think from there it became technical in nature. So all of a sudden, once we started breaking some of the major support levels there, that's where we did see the trade accelerate, go down much lower, put in our lows of the day, but it was nice to see us closing a ways off of our lows. So overall, I'd say that's supportive. You talk about that weather map, and this weather map, I mean, both models are changing every three hours, and you get a little glimpse of, oh, we might get some moisture, and then the next three hours later, it's gone. Yeah, it really is. And and we're going to see a lot more of that. And I think the main reason, Susan, that becomes such a big deal is the fact that we do have so many different areas, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, parts of Iowa, that, that do definitely have below normal amounts of subsoil moisture. As a matter of fact, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, you know, would be much drier than they would have been in 2012. That's hard to believe. But that area didn't get hit quite as hard as the other areas did in 2012. So you take that coupled with also the fact that stocks are tight on old crop and new crop um, corn and then also as we look at the soybean side and, and that just creates an environment depending on what people want to grab a hold of so as those weather forecasts change uh, overall then you see those algo traders the ones that are just trading off of headlines you see them jump in and you see that pressure of the market well you know having said that when we're getting ready to land in minneapolis obviously you start dropping way before the the twin cities but you could definitely see the dryness and you could pick out which fields were being irrigated and which weren't in minnesota yeah there's definitely a, a you're seeing a lot of dryness up there across uh, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, even as we talked about those northern parts of Iowa. So we're going to continue to keep a close eye on there. We're not convinced the rains are going to fall as they're being predicted. We know we've got some warm conditions ahead of us, and we know this time of year that we're, you know, approaching that peak water use, especially on the corn crop. Not there yet on the bean crop, so these crops need a lot of moisture to be able to meet what we think we need for a crop size. So is the weather one of the biggest reasons we're seeing the trade range or is there other factors that are being looked at yeah weather's one of them but i think you've got other factors the the environment we're operating within with it being just so extremely tight on stocks and i think you've got other factors out there that aren't getting a lot of attention yet you've got the situation in ukraine for instance and how that's changed some of the numbers we were looking at here this morning would show that through the 15th of july there's about 45 percent of the ukraine that's in some form of a less than desired amount of moisture condition and we got to keep in 
mind last year. That's kind of the whole thing that kicked everything off and got us to a point where we ended up seeing more demand coming to the U.S. is because the Ukraine production was off. Continued uh, to have cold weather, believe that or not, in, in South America. So the Brazilian crop, the Safrina crop, got hit by some freezing conditions again. Looks like we could go ahead and see that number continue to get smaller. So we've got a number of those type of items that are coming in that are that are giving us that volatility. And, and I think the other thing that you see is you see the market, it'll go, and, and we've got some wide ranges. We'll see it trade one way and then back. And that just really speaks to kind of the uncertainty or the conviction that any of the traders are willing to take at this point. So are those going to be the biggest headline grabbers going forward, or are there some other things that we need to kind of keep in the back of our mind? Yeah, I'd say those other things we got to keep in the back of our mind. We've got to go up into the Canadian prairies. We've got to talk about, you know, Ontario. We have to talk about Alberta, Saskatchewan, and those areas are have had extremely dry conditions. And and I don't think we've seen enough, enough adjustment yet to the spring wheat crop up there, also to the canola crop yet. So I think we'll need to see adjustments there. When we go back down to South America, I think, as we talked about, we'll see production come down some more, but there's more to that story. We also think that there could be some adjustment yet on the export side. You know, we could see exports dropped maybe 8 million metric tons yet, 5 million metric tons yet. And those adjustments, and those are exports coming out of Brazil, which would actually come over to some of that, come over to the U.S. And so I think there'll, there'll be those type of adjustments yet. And even within the U.S., the thing we have to think about is that USDA is still factoring in trendline yield. So there's adjustments that have to be made here in the U.S. yet. So those are a number of the factors so far. So with supply and demand, how do we compare year to year? best way to probably do that, I'd say, is to take a look at that stocks-to-use ratio. So every time we come out of that WASD report, then what we're looking at is we take the ending stock number out of WASD report, you go ahead and you divide that by the total amount of demand that's coming out of the WASD report, you get a stocks-to-use percentage. That stocks-to-use percentage is really just kind of putting into proportion how much do we have left over at the end of the crop year compared to that total amount of demand. Once we get to that number, then we can compare from year to year and, and get a feel of how we're setting. Who would have thought we got a math lesson during the Fontenelle final bell? It doesn't happen a lot, does it? So as you look at that, do we see, I mean, and it's hard to compare because weather's going to have a huge influence as well, isn't it? on that those demand numbers oh most definitely we're going to have a huge we're, we're going to have to watch that weather extremely close going forward but how do we compare those numbers we can compare them from year to year then and then we have to continually watch the yield though and have to adjust accordingly what's going on so we look at that at each time we have a WASD report that's why we got guys like this doing the numbers and not me more is coming up as we continue here on the Fontenelle final bell we're going to look at those crop condition ratings and what can we expect? What did we see on those numbers earlier this week? And is the crop undervalued or overvalued? What's your thoughts? More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final, Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Powered locally. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue the conversation with Jeff Peterson. He's with Heartland Farm Partners. So, undervalued overvalued it depends on who you ask you know a farmer they're going to say completely undervalued but from a buyer's perspective 
the opposite. What are your thoughts? How do you put the spin on that? Yeah, so what I like to do and, and how we look at it, uh, Susan, is we look at the futures price to start with. So, you know, we can get into the cash price discussion, but we look at the futures price and, and we go back and we use that math we talked about mm-hmm. before the stocks to use percentage. And we'll start off on soybeans first. And on soybeans, when we run the numbers and you look at the old crop, the 2020 crop, what we find is that the stocks to use percentage is 2.97%. When we look back over time and say, what is the price been when we've had similar percentages to that? It would suggest we're undervalued probably a dollar to a dollar fifty a bushel. Now, why why is it undervalued? Well, there's some unknown about well, is there going to be more double crop acres? So that gets factored in. The other thing that comes about is that they know that guess what? Down the road, South America, when they harvest another bean crop, now they haven't planted it yet. It's going to be big. And in our overall world stocks, even though we're tight on our U.S. stocks, world stocks, we're okay. There's beans out there. You just got to get them to the right place. So then you naturally step into the corn crop, and, and when you run those same type of numbers on the old crop side, you know, with the stocks of use in the mid-7s, it suggests we're probably pretty close to fair value, maybe maybe just a little bit under. But So that's kind of how we look at it from just a futures price. So how do you get the beans or as – a producer, how would you like to get the beans to be at that valued price? Yeah, so what we're going to end up having to do is we're going to have to go forward. We're going to have to get more certainty in this market. We're going to have to get a better feel of what is China going to continue to do for buying? You know, as they're buying up these old crop bushels, and then as we start getting to new crop, but we also got to get a little bit further in time so that we can see that August weather for beans, because we know that ultimately it's the July weather and part of August for corn, but it's really that August beans, and as we move into September for the soybeans, so we just need a little more time down the road. So this next week and a half or so is going to be miserable in many ways. Nineties. Uh, 590, I mean, 100 plus is what they're looking at. So having said that, should we see much of a change in this Monday's crop conditions report? Or are we going to have to wait another week to see what this heat does? You know, it's interesting you say it that way. We were having that very discussion in the office um, earlier in the week, and we said, well, will these dry conditions help some of the wet conditions that's happened in the eastern Corn Belt? Yeah, but but overall, our, our conclusion really was we still think we're going to see conditions go down 1% to 2%. The reason we believe that, we think there's parts of, of Iowa and Minnesota, even parts of Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, that because of these warm temps, they're going to go backwards on their condition. We do think, though, that the eastern Corn Belt will probably hold together pretty well because their, their temperatures and, honestly, their precip, they're actually looking at some pretty good conditions. But we're looking for conditions down 1% to 2%. Comparing to years before, I've heard 1988 brought up a lot in conversations, 2012. How are we sitting soil moisture-wise right now in crop development compared to those years? Yeah, I think it, it all depends on where you're at. So let's start first on that uh, subsoil moisture and also on the top soil moisture side. And as, as you move up into the areas that have been most impacted, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, we're actually setting drier than it would have been back in 2012. And overall on the condition side, you know, conditions where we're setting that right now would suggest that we've got a below-trend yield coming. However, what we know is going forward is when the core correlation between those condition ratings, and I should have said that would be on the corn side, beans are still untold yet, but on the corn side as we go forward each week from here forward, our correlation or the ability to look at those conditions and come up with a yield just gets better and better going forward. 
Got to talk basis. What's it looking like old and new for both corn and beans? Well, as we dig into that number, starting first on the old crop corn, you know, our concern would be as we, we know that there's still corn out there and we know that some of these ethanol plants are, are scratching their head and saying, do I want to pay up for the remaining bushels or do I want to take some downtime? So we know in some areas we've got to watch at. Overall, what we've been seeing is that we've been seeing a little bit weaker basis happening on the corn side, and that kind of seems to be a trend that's going to happen. Over on the bean side, we've seen a little bit of weakness on the bean side too, but it sure feels like we could get maybe one more push on the beans on the old crop side because there is very good crush margins there yet. And then as we move into the new crop side, what our belief would be is that as we move forward in time, as we get a little bit further out, we'll see basis levels go lower on the old crop, but we do believe we'll see some better basis levels yet as we look at new crop there. So we're we're kind of coming into that time of year. We're not quite there yet right. where, you know, depending on your area and depending on what the feeling the farmer is, is going to dictate what's going to happen on that basis. In a nutshell, if you still have old crop, what do you do? Well, if I've still got old crop and honestly I'm down to, you know, me maybe 10%, 15% of the bushels left, I'm still holding on and waiting. I, I don't think the weather's going to be good enough here so that we have some trend line yields. Um, so we think we could have some below trend yields yet. So I would physically go ahead and hold off here, Susan. See if we get a little bit of bounce before I sell those last bushels. All right, Jeff, best way for folks to get a hold of you. Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com. Click on the sign up button to get some free daily commentary by text or email. Or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson one and that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers here on the Rural Radio Network.